Welcome to the Being the Change podcast. I'm your host, Kristen Vandeveer, here with Isabel Kiyosayan. We are the founders of Meditation Without Borders, and tonight we have a very, very special guest, Theo Burkhart, who is a Vedic meditation teacher, like the two of us, and he also is a world traveler slash Jyotish, <laughs> which is into astrology, and we wanted to, wanted to talk to him tonight about um, the Vedic view of travel. Take it, take it away. Take it away, <laughs> I had to say slash awesome, yes. awesomest dude. Yes, and he around. has his own podcast, Slouching Towards Enlightenment. He's a writer. fantastic. And he's the most incredible photographer as well. So we could have <laughs> him back you. on like four or five different times. Come on. More. <laughs> Love this. Ladies, man. Oh, my God. <laughs> um, well, I don't know about that, but. Uh, That's right. I know it, Venus in your chart is like super strong. Yeah, it, it's, it, it, it's true. <laughs> How do you know my chart? Get out of my chart. <laughs> Venus is a travel planet. Mm. Oh, so, cool. I'm in my yeah. Venus. State. So, well, it, it'll, it'll depend. And this is what we were just saying is, is uh, there's no, because right now, and for who knows how long I see everything through the lens of Jyotish at the moment, it just goes with when you're studying it, you can't help just put everything in the Jyotish context. But um yeah, I, I'm. I've been traveling my whole life, and uh, now that now understanding Jyotish and being able to look at my chart, I I'm I can see how travel, how the planets contribute to me being a traveler. Uh, so my mom was living in LA, my dad was in New York, and my sister and I started traveling very young, back and forth. Uh, back and forth the, the country. And then we started doing all these other trips. And what's funny is I, I, I sort of slowed down traveling uh, in the late 90s and early 2000s, became a teacher, and then really took off and started traveling everywhere. And I think, you know, I never had some kind of, I didn't think anything like, well, it's very Vedic to travel or anything like that. <laughs> I'm going to, you know, I... I loved what, you know, when my teacher is Tom, but, but because he was in Arizona, I, I spent a lot of time with Christian and Jeff Cobra. So, uh, and they have communities, they don't travel. They just, you know, they're, they're there and they build communities, but uh, it wasn't charming for me to do that. I, I, I loved building, starting a community in sort of the locking out and Silver Lake area of Los Angeles, but I really wanted to travel and I just was so excited to teach. I would go anywhere. So if, like, for instance, a friend of mine, a best friend of mine from high school said, why don't you come to Dallas and teach? And I said, Greg, get, get a few people and I'll, I'll come. And it just started this thing. And then I kind of became known for it, which is kind of funny. No <laughs> one else was really doing that. Everybody was sitting and being good little initiators and teaching, exploring the Veda, <laughs> and, which I wanted to do, but I was more charmed by... And I did that, but just not as much as someone who has a built-in community does. I just started going everywhere. I've taught in, you know, 12, 13, 14 states, um, all over California, all over New York, Texas, Colorado, Rhode Island, Maine, 
uh, Florida. I've gone everywhere. And, and I really liked the idea of that Puja kit being portable. And I, uh, it, to me, it was a follow charm thing. It wasn't that I was obeying the Nivar Tatwam, you know, charge that we, we were all given. It was just about, I, I want to see the world. And now I figured out a way to fund myself seeing the world. <laughs> I would go travel and the people, I, the people who learn would basically pay for me to be there to teach them. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, I wasn't do, doing it this way. You don't, you don't make a lot of money or anything. You're just sort of traveling. And I, I talked to Tom about this. You know, I said I was, I'm, I went more the Johnny Appleseed route <laughs> or, you know, just, just throwing mantras everywhere uh, and where people couldn't find a teacher. And I think in the first five years, especially, I didn't care how many people showed up until I would teach two or three. But that kind of thing, um, I think one thing I noticed that it did is a lot of other teachers started doing that, which is really cool. Uh, and I just thought it was a gas, you know. So just for those who don't know what Nivar Tatvam is, um, it's, it means go where you are not. Is that the best translation of it? it, it it's really um, meant to be a description of what the universe is up to, which is if it's finding too much unity, it moves to diversity. And if it's finding too much diversity, it moves towards unity. But really it's like with evolution, we have to keep moving in a sense. Um, yeah. You have to keep evolving. You can't just stay stagnant mm -hmm. in one place. And um, so to me, I find it interesting because usually in, in uh meditation when we we're always talking about the journey inward right that, that there's this journey that we take in our consciousness to go within um but there is something interesting about the the journey on the surface which is traveling around the surface of our own globe and um and i i too love travel i haven't been able to do it as much um and i grew up with my um my mom traveled a lot like around the world. And to me, there's something to going to a place where everything is completely new because your brain doesn't know, you know, usually I think we're, we're, we're our brains will look for what is different in its environment. Mm -hmm. But when everything is different, it's almost like this. this it, well, it's refreshing because you have to right. think different. You have new thoughts that you wouldn't otherwise have had mm -hmm. if you just stayed at home. There's no way to stay really stagnant in a sense when everything around you is is new and so much uh, new input. And um, so I find it fascinating, you know, your story, because you um, not only were you, know, you were like a pioneer within the, the Vedic meditation community, teaching in a different style, as well as... Um, just you know moving moving around the world <laughs> mm -hmm. well it's also um you know the, the body wants to get in on the action of what it's experiencing inside so mm -hmm. I, I think this is very common for a lot of i you even probably have seen it in your students that you teach the meditation and three or four months later they're like oh, i'm going here i'm going yeah. there because it, it it you start to kind of break down some of those walls inside you and it feels good. 
And you want to take the show, this, this consciousness, this new consciousness, you want to take it around. You want to sort of, uh, I don't know, take the show on the road. And (laughs) you know what I mean? And and I think I, I didn't have like, I wasn't thinking that consciously. It really just came as, Oh, an invitation to New York city. I'm there. You know, um, mm-hmm. oh, San Diego. Great. Done. I'll do it. Colorado. I'll fly out next week. That, that kind of thing. And the more I did that, the easier it got, but it was always easy. I just, people tend to think of travel as a pain in the butt, mm-hmm. but, uh, I saw it as a way to just sort of kind of, um, I don't know. It, it just, to me, I wasn't thinking travel. I was thinking, I just want to teach. I just want to teach. I just want to initiate. I just mm-hmm. want to initiate. And I would go anywhere. And what's funny now is now that I've been in Santa Fe, I haven't been traveling this that much this year. I've transcended <laughs> traveling. And now I'm like <laughs> stuck here. And even if I wanted to, like I couldn't come to India because I was sick. So Mm-hmm. It's funny how um, the, the stagnant get moving and then the moving get stagnant and maybe need to nest a little bit. Well, yeah, it's the Nivar Tatwam yeah. element where you're, you know, you were traveling too much and you needed to go beyond that. Yeah. Um, but it, what's fascinating to me, too, about what you're describing is it's we always talk about the safest place as being on the cusp of the unknown. Mm-hmm. And by that's my comfort with- zone. Right. That's your, <laughs> your, your nomadic lifestyle. I mean, there's no way not to be on that unknown. And, and also your, your, the adaptability it takes to live that way. You know, it's a fa- fantastic way to live, but there's a lot of people who could not handle that much needing to adapt. Right. But the, the opposite is true when you, when you've been living like this and someone wants to have a relationship with you you have to adapt to being around, <laughs> and which, which is a totally fair request. You know? <laughs> if you like, if you like the person um, and they say, you know, can you maybe not spend in 20, 2019, mm-hmm. in 2019, I was in India five times. What? Yeah. I was in Bali also. Ah! I was I was out of my head. You were you were getting it out of your system peaking. before t- twenty twenty. Exactly. Yeah. It's <laughs> coming. It's coming. It was coming. The <laughs> shutdown was coming, and you're like, I have all these frequent fire flare miles I have to use. <laughs> yeah. So I th- I I think, you know, and it's it's fun to look at, it's fun to look at the Jodish chart and see see who's going to be on the move and who isn't because mm-hmm. once, once I learned how to do this, I could see, Oh, there was no way I, I wasn't going to travel at these, at these times. And, you know, you have different planets that are travel planets and you have different houses that are travel houses. Well, all of my travel planets are in travel houses. <laughs> they I know people who don't go anywhere and their travel houses or their travel planets are debilitated or not in travel houses. Mm-hmm. So it's it's an interesting, uh, it's a really, really interesting thing seeing. And I think that was my first in, in terms of learning Vedic astrology was 
I was able to understand which planets do that and which houses show that. Like Venus is a is a travel planet for everybody, you know? But it's uh it's means something different in different, you know, charts. So my Venus is is in a is in the seventh house. That's a tra travel house. And it owns my 12th house. That's uh that's exotic foreign travel. And Venus is luxury. So it means when I go <laughs> to India or Bali, I'm staying in like the lap of luxury. Uh, <laughs> and then moon, my moon is in the 12th house. Moon is also a travel planet. So now you have a travel planet in a travel house owned by a travel planet. And then moon owns the ninth house, which is spiritual travel and pilgrimage. So now you have... And there's two planets there, sun, not a travel planet, and Mercury, definitely a travel planet. So Mercury is a travel planet sitting in the, in the ninth house, which is pilgrimage, spiritual travel, sitting at the feet of the guru, owned by the moon, travel planet, sitting in exotic foreign travel house, owned by the, like an exalted, pretty much exalted Venus in the seventh house. So when you have the, when you start to see these connections, you can kind of see where you're going to go. Um, you know, in moon, it owns cancer in my chart, every Scorpio's chart, ninth house is cancer, water. So often when I'm in a combination with the moon there, I'll be going to either crossing a body of water or going to an island like I did last um, summer. I went to Bali. It's fantastic. And then ninth yeah. house, spiritual purposes of teaching. You see how it works? <laughs> <laughs> it's all over. <laughs> right. But, well, but when I go out, I'm going to go out. Of, I'm in a moon cycle right now. I'm in a Mercury moon um, Mercury right now. But mm -hmm. I'm not traveling yet. Could happen. <laughs> <laughs> Probably will. But this is how. And then... What happened is right after IT, I went into Mercury after 19 years in, uh, in Saturn, which is in the stagnant house, the sixth house. And he owns the third, which is short distance travel. So during those 19 years, I did a lot of short distance travel. I think I went out of the country once, and it was when I was in a Saturn moon cycle. Isn't that interesting? That is insane and a little spooky yeah. <laughs> i um i i wonder do you ever worry that travel will for me you know when i was younger i'd imagine traveling it was the most exciting thing to think about and, mm -hmm. and um but as the more we meditate and the more we um our consciousness expands uh there's a lot of equanimity in terms of the how we experience things and you know, whether we're, you know, at, online for, you know, at the DMV or in an exotic resort in Bali, so, you know, we're kind of, it's, it, where we are is no longer dictating our inner experience. Right. So do you, have you found that the traveling is now just your charm to do it, but you don't find it's really, um, I don't know, as thrilling as it used to be. 
Mm. And um, if so, is, is there any feeling of just a well, little? Well, the, the thrill, yeah, I, I know what you mean. It, and it's that if I go to, right, if I'm like in some crappy hotel in Thailand mm -hmm. um, or at some really luxury, like, you know, luxury place in Hawaii or something, let's say. Um, yeah. I prefer the Hawaiian experience. I prefer the luxury. <laughs> but you're right that it doesn't make or break you. I'm, I am, I am happy in in those weird, uh, those weird hotels in Bali or Thailand or or even India. I don't know if you've stayed in some of those crazy hotels like really high up in the Himalayas where it's just like I mean, but I'm still I'm still delighted. Yeah, I'm. I I was at an ashram before ATR this year, which is our, for those who don't know, it's like a teacher's retreat. And the yeah. teacher's retreat was beautiful. It was in Sapa, but the first week I was at um, the Yoga Nikitan ashram and it was, mm -hmm. it was more like a cell than a room. <laughs> right. <laughs> there was no heat. It was kind of cement. The, you could knock on the bed, you know, <laughs> I did bring my own pillow. You were, you were a Paramath Nikitan? Uh, no, not Paramath. Uh, Yoga Nikitan oh. is across the way. The oh. smaller, you know, the RT, the oh, smaller right. RT, that one. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, um, but I had an amazing time. I was cold, <laughs> comfortable, but yeah, it was great. Um, but what made me think of it is someone asked Tom, because um, we were in, our teacher is Tom, for oh. those who don't know. Uh, we were in India with him recently and they asked, so, you know, like, are you so happy to be back? He's like, I'm the same everywhere. Yeah. You know? Yeah, and, I get that. I get that a little bit. And I felt a little sad. I was like, oh, I don't want to get to where it's like, you know, that I can no longer have the contrast experience of that the travel. But it's, it's lessened the, than what it used to be. Yeah. If, if you don't want that, you're going to be disappointed because yeah. that's that's where it's all headed. And I know mm -hmm. exactly. I may have been confused by that maybe 15 years ago. Yeah. Um, but now I, I, I really relate to that. Mm -hmm. You're, and it, it is kind of like there, there is something, I feel like a lot of people should, if, if they haven't learned meditation, they should go out and travel a lot. <laughs> First, and then, you know, but the thing is, is when you're traveling, you're not a meditator, your adaptation energy sucks. Yeah. And you're, you complain about everything. Nothing, go, you know, because things are going to go wrong even after you're a meditator and travel. Mm -hmm. But you do have that sort of like, oh, cool, I'm on an adventure now. Let's see what happens here. And, mm -hmm. and you kind of, but it's such a great way to stabilize and practice adaptability as yeah. a meditator is through travel. And it um, also kind of, this is what, so, sorry to interrupt, no. but when I travel, it kind of, it kind of reminds you that like, oh, I'm, I'm home. Like I can be wherever. Everywhere's home. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. It's like, oh, I'm home. And we this still want to be bumped up to business class. No yeah. doubt about yeah, of course. it. There's no, there's no question about it. I'm six, two. I'm like, I'm never going to turn it down when, you know, when I'm on Emirates and they're like, Mr. Burkhart. Yes. <laughs> Take me up. But, but you're right. Mm -hmm. Home, home has nothing to do with what's out there. It really starts to have to do with what's inside and you're you can really be home everywhere and the other 
The other thing that I notice is the world starts to feel smaller, much, mm-hmm. much smaller as a meditator. I, I, I find it, if there was, I'm looking for something more foreign than India. I can't yeah. find it, <laughs> but that's what I want. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because I think before you're a meditator, I mean, and even maybe when you're a meditator, but you want to travel because you want to get to know more people and expand your horizon. And it does happen. But then when you meditate, you can connect to everybody. You're like, oh, we're we're all kind of the same. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's very true. Have you ever seen that uh, documentary with, with you and McGregor on the motorcycle, The Long Way Round? It was the first no, one. I've, heard, three I've, of them. I've heard of it. It, the first one's the best one because that's before they get the big budgets and be, you know, all they're, they're, they're actually kind of roughing it, you know, by the yeah. time that's their third one, they have their, they, I think they had so many sponsors. It was, mm-hmm. it wasn't even that interesting, but the first one where they drive all the way from London, all the way across Asia, then they take a little boat over to Alaska and then come all the way down. So cool. It, what's fascinating is like when they're in Mongolia and those places, mm-hmm. you, they're taking you on this journey. And when they start coming into Canada, you can even feel it. You're like, oh no, yeah, yeah, yeah. We're going back into civilization, uh-huh. and, and, and I was just, I and you could, you and his buddy were like, uh, uh. You could tell they were they were upset because it is getting to where there it is hard to find. Yeah, and not only that, but even the places that we stay, that we are. But just the, the state of the world that, that we're in right now, mm-hmm. everything looks the same. When I was a yeah. kid growing up in the 70s, I, I got in a Volkswagen bus in 19, I think, 77, and we drove across the country. Zigzag. Oh, that's my dream. It was great. It was the summer Star Wars came out. So we saw Star Wars at like five different drivers. <laughs> we just kept going. We're like, that sounds magical. Like, yeah. And we'd be like, yeah. Um, and I, and, and back then, every state was so different. Every city yeah. was different. Now, you know, I, I can't believe that people would go from one city to another to go to a banana republic. <laughs> it's the same. It is very similar. I have it's to similar. say something, Teo. I think, it, well, because of your state of consciousness and also because you're a great storyteller, but you, when you tell stories, it like makes me excited to be alive. It's like, uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I want to do that. <laughs> That's one of the best compliments I've ever. Thank it's you. true. It's true. It is true. That's why we wanted you on our podcast. I'm like, I don't even know what the day. I don't even care what the topic is. Let's just get on here. We'll talk about stuff. Um, but yeah, it's that's an interesting point you make because I my mom was a big international traveler, and she traveled in the 60s and 70s mostly mm-hmm. and 80s and. Like, I'm like, that was the perfect time because there was enough, you know, like if you early 20th century there, you didn't have the infrastructure. So it was too hard. There's enough infrastructure to go to all these places, but it was so new that she could just walk, you know, walk up the pyramids when she went to Egypt. And you could, I remember her talking about, you could go into these places in Europe that had this precious, precious, like churches and everything you could walk right up you could touch like (laughs) if you wanted to touch these um priceless artifacts and things and um and that there was there was that contrast and it it is the whole globe is sort of homogenizing in a sense that Mm -hmm. we are moving to me it's a movement towards unity which from a vedic standpoint is 
is fascinating. And a lot of the tension in the world comes from this, this movement, this, this increasing of oneness, whether it's like, um, you know, like just look at Europe, for example, and the, the, um, how there's so many people who don't want immigrants because they don't want to lose their separateness in a sense and their, their culture. They -hmm. don't want it homogenizing, but, um, but that's the that's the the trend it's, of yeah it's where we're headed it's where things are headed um as communication and transportation gets easier and more and technology um gets more sophisticated so so there is that longing for difference sometimes when you are a meditator and everything does feel kind of the same like i i i sometimes do feel like i long for a contrast experience of some sort yeah you have to reach farther yeah and and it's it's um more foreign than india (laughs) yeah and exactly (laughs) and i'm i'm doing the the retreat i'm planning now is in uh is in india it's for september hopefully you guys can come but we're going to pedernath valley of the flowers jyotirmath and badranath because Uh, you have to go like already even since you've been going there, you've seen Rishikesh change. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Rishikesh has changed so much, even in the past eight years. Yeah, and and it's a little, it's like mini Los Angeles in a way. Um, yeah, it's losing a little of its exoticness for sure. It's not that exotic anymore. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, so the Wi-Fi this is, is much better now. <laughs> um, the signal is better. Yeah, that that's the one. That's where my that's where my adaptation energy falls apart is bad Wi-Fi. <laughs> <laughs> and there's bad Wi-Fi. I don't want to be enlightened. I want to be angry, <laughs> and I want to blame people. Um, but it's nice to go to these far off places. And and what's great about about them being far away is it becomes a pilgrimage, mm-hmm. and and that has. That that's a whole different kind of journey because you're, boy, you really have to be adaptable. You have to be prepared to have things not go your way. In fact, it's probably good not to have a way when you um, mm. go to these places. <laughs> and then you're going to temples, and uh, and it's we, it can be weird. You know, I I sat in a in Kedarnath, which is the highest. There's a there's a natural um, lingam up there mm. in the Himalayas, they built this, this, uh, the temple around and it's a, sh- it's very Shiva energy. That means all the misfits, all the spiritual <laughs> weirdos and myth- misfits are up there. It's like, it's like the cantina in star Wars, mm-hmm. you know, it's a freak show. Mm-hmm. It's a beautiful freak show, but it's a freak show. Mm. And, and, and you start to feel like, okay, I earned this. I went mm. far enough and I, and I found myself on the outskirts. Yeah. It's almost like being in Ritam. You're just at the edge there. Mm-hmm. You, if yeah. you go any further, you're in, you're, you are in the wilderness and you could die. <laughs> I mean, literally. Tigers, you know, right? Yeah. Literally. Tigers well, maybe not up there. Cause you're. Yeah. Cold Kedernath tigers. Is, snow yeah. leopards. <laughs> snow. Yeah. Snow leopards. Yes. And then Bajranath is much sweeter, but even Valley of, of Flowers, you have to you have to wake up at five in the morning and get and get going just to get up and inside the national park with time to get out. 
where else you're going to. Amazing. Well, then you got to come. I will be there. Yeah. And it's also like something about being an initiator and being in those places too is, is great. And then to make it even more interesting. um, Do you, do you follow Samadhi Collective on, uh, on Instagram? I do, but there's something wrong with my algorithm that I never get their posts. So I'm weird. Well, they're, they're going to be with us at the beginning and they're going to teach us chanting for each of the temples. And then meet up with us. So we're going to be able to go there and learn these chants. And uh, um, so, yeah, so it's almost like I feel with these things, I'm trying to make them as foreign as possible just to stir the pot. Well, for me, what I find fascinating, I mean, this relates to travel, but even when I'm teaching, um, I'm always interested when I get students who are really different from me. You know, mm-hmm. and even with our nonprofit work, like this is something that I get excited when there's someone who on all, all those surface points is so different and yet I can still incorporate unity, right? Yeah. I can still see that person as me. And so I think travel relates to that as well. It's like, cause you meet all these, like you said, misfits and like the more difference that I can still incorporate and feel as one. I love that tension that happens between like, oh, I can feel this is me yet at the same time, it's so bizarre. Um, yeah. You know, I think, I think that's, I don't know. I'm thinking out loud right now, but I think no, that's I love it. to do with the, the, the draw of a meditator to exotic locations. Yeah. And then it's interesting. Coming home after experiencing that and yeah. integrating all that. Uh-huh. Yeah. It's amazing. <laughs> Have either of you ever been to Benares, Kashi, or Varanasi? It's yeah. all the same place. Oh my god! There's there. If you want a little taste of something very exotic and foreign, mm-hmm. go to the crematoriums there. That's <laughs> yeah. There's <laughs> a little place a that I love called uh, uh, the Blue Lassie Shop, mm-hmm. and it's a literal hole in the wall in the old city within the labyrinth. Mm-hmm. They've carved out a hole in the wall. And you sit there and this guy, you know, smashes up pomegranates and yogurt and hands it to you. And you sit there and you eat your lassie and you watch the dead bodies go by. They're carrying the bodies <laughs> chanting. And you're sitting there with, you know, someone from Argentina and someone from Japan and someone mm-hmm. from Germany. And you're all talking about movies, you know, and suddenly you hear the, the chanting, the bells and everybody stops and you watch the dead body go by. And then you resume your conversation on the movie. <laughs> I it had a moment in 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 Benares. I went with my family when I was like 18 and I had a big Lebowski moment with my dad. <laughs> we went yeah. to see the cremations like five in the morning and you know there's the fire going on and uh-huh. then a wind blows and all the ashes of the dead people are like me and my dad. Yes. <laughs> breathing in the dead people. It's like you're like a, a Naga Baba, right? <laughs> yeah, Naga Baba. Naga so. Yeah. <laughs> I have this joke with my students and I tell, because India and Mexico are similar. So I'm like, okay, India is Mexico on steroids and Varanasi <laughs> is India on steroids. Right, exactly. <laughs> it's so true. It's so true. For those who are hearing, Naga Babas are um, these... Uh, group of people in india they walk around completely naked covered in crematorium ash and they're called nagababas nagas are snakes because in their dreadlocks which they usually have piled on their heads are snakes 
yeah. and they're they're um sometimes they're they have pitchforks. Yes, there's that that's that's, that's another <laughs> accessory. And you can often see their weenies. And they, <laughs> Yeah, head to toe in ash. Just yeah. inc incredible. Live snakes. I mean, I love that because it's just like, gosh, it's so nice that there's some get crazy. The more crazy things are, the more I'm just like, that's fantastic. I have yeah. to say, me and my dad got so sick. Oh, no. Like, oh, no. We were throwing up all day after. Like, it was crazy, but it was it was worth it. It's the experience. Yeah. Mm. It might have been, you know, the blue lassie and not the <laughs> <laughs> Well, the the blue lassie, the blue lassie shop is they they have they have wonderful cow houses there. And they have these the brahmin cows in these mm -hmm. cow houses and you can go and see them and those cows are immaculate. They're super clean. And they keep them clean because, you know, for certain reasons they don't want people to get sick. But they're very cute. <laughs> and they know their way home they like let them out and they travel around when i was there once i saw um i i heard i was in a shop and i was right on the outskirts of you know the there's a big labyrinth and mm. and and then at the edge of the labyrinth is ganga so i was on the street side through the labyrinth and i was in this little whatever shop and i heard a bunch of screaming and i turned and I see all these fruit carts flying and all this fruit flying, bodies flying. And I didn't know what was going on, but it was whatever it was, was coming towards me. <laughs> and then suddenly <laughs> I saw this cow running for her life and this bull coming after her. And she dodged into the store that I was in. And the bull came into the store, wrecked the store, missed me completely. It just went right around me, wrecked the whole store and then went out. And then the, the cow pivoted and went into the labyrinth. And then the bull followed her. And you could hear the screams, like getting more in distance and like screams of people. And, and then it just kind of died away. And then everybody started laughing. This woman, it was her shop, completely destroyed. She was laughing and like, you know, singing. <laughs> and there was this guy who, you know, this old man who had a fruit cart demolished. And he was laughing and I said, what's so great? And he's like, oh, she goes, when the bull is happy, everybody is happy. When the bull mates and wants a partner, everybody is happy. And then we heard the screams come again, getting louder and louder. And out came the cow and the bull was chasing her and she pivoted. And right then the bull saw another cow and chased that cow. <laughs> now the white cow that had just pivoted kind of had some extra energy to you know, burn off. So she trotted right up to me and then stopped, lifted her tail and a flood of pee started coming out. <laughs> this family of four wearing white, all white, you know, beautiful old man, beautiful woman, but uh, young kids, they were walking and he grabs them, pulls them over and he puts his hands oh, up, yeah. cuts his hand. So it filled up and he drank it the pee and then filled up more and all the, the his family put their hands together and leaned in and closed their eyes and he took urine cow urine and sort of splashed them each in the face of this it's a, it's a blessing that's right and i was my jaw was like on the ground and i'm trying to get my 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 friend gerald's attention i'm like look you're missing it <laughs> 
but this is what's great about Varanasi is you see something good. Uh, you, you, you in one day you'll see fifteen things you've never seen before. It's just. just <laughs> I'm just I'm just trying to imagine the unstressing on uh you know of the when Tom has this huge retreat with a hundred you know people <laughs> like the unstressing it's like and now we'll be blessed with the peace. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, if Tom's very funny. smart not to do uh, retreats in Varanasi. You would yeah. have half the people leave. It's not, it's not, <laughs> you have to work up to it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> have you Absolutely. had uh, like a breakthrough in consciousness while traveling? Like, has has there yeah. been like one experience or many that you're like well i think the, the, the main experience i had two experiences in it which i probably you know doesn't count but they're the first real solid uh you know what one was a god consciousness experience my first one my first like real big one um and that happened during a lecture uh, I had, but I had to go to the bathroom. So I ran up to my, my room and I was washing my hands and it, and it happened in the bathroom. Um, <laughs> and it's one of those Bali bathrooms. So there's no, which is a very typical place for me to have a God consciousness. Experience. <laughs> but there's no, you know, in, in Bali, there's no roofs there in the bathroom. There's just stone walls and there's all this light coming in. And I just suddenly realized I was in the presence of something. And, uh, and I was there for a long time, um, just watching and just, uh, it was, it was, I, I can't put it into words. I'm not going to try. Yeah. Um, but it was, it was so big that when I went back in, Tom was still talking and, um, and then he finished whatever his point was. And then he said, and now we're going to hear what happened to tail. <laughs> you knew you could tell. He's like, I want to hear all about what just happened. I can see it you now. Uh, and then, and then I had a unity consciousness experience, my first one, which was, that's unity consciousness. I'm never missing a meditation again. <laughs> uh, like that was, um, and that, that was, it, it had everything to do with, um, it was a spatial experience. It, it had to do with um, spatial awareness. I don't know mm -hmm. how else to, 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 you know, I, there was a corridor of, of grass and trees that went along the beach. So the beach is, you know, long, but then behind it was this little brick wall and then all these palm trees on grass. It had to do with this corridor and I was rounding and I looked down this corridor and there wasn't anything that I could see that wasn't me. And uh, it was, it was almost, it was like this, almost the same feeling. It's like, imagine the most frightening you've ever been, but without any of the negativity in being frightened. It mm -hmm. was like the excitement and the surprise, but it was just, it was, it was, it was very strange, uh, but very good. And, and I think, you know, those, those, those two experiences were, it's hard to, to compare anything to them because they were firsts mm -hmm. and everything since then kind of, kind of blends in a little bit i've definitely had experiences in in india that were pretty profound uh and 
some of them were just in Rishikesh. Some of them were just in a way, nothing that would, that would sound amazing if I said it out loud, but Mm -hmm. they become sort of quieter and more subtle experiences where those first ones really whack you over the head because it's so different yet absolutely uh exactly like tom would describe if you were taking his first class on day four listening to the seven states of consciousness completely in line with that but then when it's happening to you it's a little different (laughs) you know the actual experience it's interesting i think about when every time i go to india i always have all kinds of shifts happening and i've always Mm -hmm. wondered about you know what it is about that particular place that just seems to whether it's the you know the vedas have had their you know the tradition has its Mm -hmm. roots there or whether there's so many you know there's lots of very spiritually enlightened people there or whether it's you know something about the consciousness of the place itself that seems to encourage that but it could be also completely self-referral it could be something having to do with me you know maybe i have past lives there and that's why it's so resonant but um but there's that it's an interesting thing to talk about in terms of spirituality and travel is like does it make a difference where you go like can you go somewhere to find yourself we always say it doesn't that doesn't make sense we go within to find ourselves, but can does it help <laughs> yeah, well, it always helps to get a teacher. And I think, you know, there was a time when if you were sort of on your last life or second to last life, you'd want to be born in India. You because by that time you've done it all and you want knowledge. Mm-hmm. And uh and so a blessed, a re, you know, if you had really good punya, um, cosmic credit rating as uh for the listeners. <laughs> um, <laughs> then you'd probably want to be born there where you can be, where you can have access to gurus and the Vedas. And that has been true, I think for a long time, but it's not true anymore Yeah. because now that there's the internet, a lot of that, a lot of that knowledge is available elsewhere. And also I think we got to get some people off these planet, off this planet. So Mm -hmm. the people who, who have been to India in different lives, now they're being born in, different countries to become teachers like us and start getting this. You got to get these people off this planet and onto better, <laughs> onto maybe not better things, but the next step, there's a, a, um, a backlog here of uh, jivas. We got to get them. Up. We got to get them off. We got to get them. <laughs> it's getting crowded. It's getting which crowded. Is, yeah. Yeah. Which is why there's no, there's fewer and fewer places to travel that are remote (laughs) yeah so i think it is it is extremely helpful yes Mm -hmm. you can go with it yes but did either of you know how to do that before you met your teacher i didn't no of course you know i tried i I tried to go as deep as i could one day before i ever learned this and all i found was a bunch of really negative thinking a lot of dread and a lot of fear because I, i was still stuck in the level of thought and i tried to go deep however i tried to do that you know you're just you don't know what you're doing but um what i found was i there wasn't the kingdom of heaven within me it was all Mm -hmm. fear and dread and soon after that i learned this technique where you really see that what beyond thinking actually means and uh and i did need a teacher for that but luckily i didn't have to go to india 
luckily Tom had had that weird life trajectory that he had to bring this back to the States and then teach me who was able to go to all these crazy weird places. Mm -hmm. And and when I say weird, believe me, some of the weirdest places have been like Alabama. It's not, (laughs) you know, (laughs) it's not, not always cashmere. It's not always. Yeah. It's not always. And and also, even though as fun as it is to teach in India, and I've initiated a bunch of people in Northern and Southern India, it's, it's, it's meaningful there because of the appreciation and the Mm -hmm. reverence they give to the knowledge. And it's so interesting that they don't feel we're, we're, um, that this is cultural appropriation at all. I've never met an India Indian in India who was offended by what I do. They were all absolutely hands folded, reverence, call me Guruji, thank you, gifts, all this stuff. They're just so excited. Um, it's it's the weirdos in. <laughs> it's the weirdos in in my own country that need this Mm -hmm. and and i think that's um you know sometimes it's more you know i love the praise i get in india but sometimes it's it's more interesting to teach a sweaty uh you know free heart attack republican finance guy who Mm -hmm. changes his entire world view you know, that's, that's really interesting too. Yeah. It's that, that contrast again, you know, it's, it's fascinating. And I, to me, it's, um, it's interesting to, to think about how the consciousness, not just in our tradition, but in other traditions, once the 20th century hit, you know, Maharishi Mahesh Yogi got the call to go West and, you know, you had Yogananda and um, there's a series of other, it's like all at the same time in various traditions, there was like the ping, the yep. knowledge needs to leave India. Mm-hmm. And so it, it, it started and in the that, early 20th century, but it really ramped up later. 20th that's because century. international travel, you can get on planes and boats that are mm-hmm. faster. And now we have the internet. This is, it's moving faster and faster and faster Faster and faster. But the problem now with that is um, degradation. Uh, Yeah. The knowledge is now it's about preserving the knowledge Mm -hmm. and making sure that you're not teaching this stuff online. I mean, some things can be, this is what's great about podcasts, about knowledge meetings, group meds, all good, but it really to to have that instruction to have the you know the the four day course in person is there's there's no substitute for it. Yeah, all but my students lately have been saying it. as soon as the course is over, they're like, "We get it. We get why it has to be yeah. in person now." Yeah, you know, it's it's such a different experience, and every single course I do is so different. So the idea of like someone even doing it in like modules, like recorded modules, is like, oh god, it's and even like we. It's not just giving the the mantra, but it's the surrendering of coming and booking the four days mm-hmm. and you know mm-hmm. leaving everything mm-hmm. behind and, and prioritizing it. space yeah. and just mm-hmm. the and it, like it's the it's whole the worthy thing. inquiry too. Mm-hmm. And this is the other thing: people who who are doing that like modules, they don't want to be a teacher. They want yeah. to make money and they want to look cute on Instagram, but they I, I don't think they want to be a teacher because the real teaching is getting a, a a really interesting possibly difficult question from a student mm-hmm. 
and, and waiting for that answer to arise in you and then articulating it, there's nothing more fun or rewarding. Yeah. And, and as you know, you've, you've both heard things come out of your mouth that really surprised you. And you might even think while it's happening, like, I'm having a moment here. This is sounding <laughs> pretty good. You know? I didn't Where's know this I knew this. <laughs> yeah, I didn't know I knew mm-hmm. this. And you know you know it. And, mm-hmm. and um, the people who do little recorded modules, sure, they might say this on themselves, well, I'm helping people, but you're not really helping yourself. It's just, yeah. you know, it's, it's well, one, one thing that we get to share are those. And, and that's also why Tom is the way he is. Mm-hmm. So many students asking so many different questions or even <laughs> the same question yeah. over and over and over and over and over again. Um, Cause that can, that can really refine not only your answer, but, um, but the way you deal with different personalities. You know, I find myself being really hard on some students and other students, super soft and other students caring, other students funny. Mm-hmm. Um, whatever, whatever's coming out is what they need. Really fascinating to watch yourself shift and give whatever the student needs. I love thinking about just to bring it back to travel again, the concept of Dharma where, you know, one of the definitions that um, is given in exploring the Veda two that we all teach um, is Dharma as contact between the universal self and the universal self and all those individual sequences mm-hmm. you know our our uh, th- that letting our individual sequence be the be the point of contact for universality to all universal sequences i think i said that better and so what travel does in some ways if you are as you know someone who is a bringer of light or a uh, a guru <laughs> or a guru in training mm-hmm. <laughs> if you're not ready to give yourself that title yet but you're someone who's a a, either a teacher an advanced meditator or someone who's um now there's more universe than individual in the body um you're you're a light that needs to move around yeah and so you it doesn't matter what you're doing but you need to move you need to get that point of contact even even if you're staying somewhat locally you can't just stay in your cave or in your house or right it's not relevant it's not relevant so in some ways the travel is that vehicle for dharma where you can be that point of contact and so um for someone like you you're that that light that got to go all over you know it's covering all those dark places where there are no teachers or there you know there are there aren't uh, isn't as much access to that knowledge and that knowledge is wanting to spread it's seeking i love also that that um i don't remember the sanskrit but it's that knowledge is seeking consciousness not we are not the seekers right and so that knowledge is seeking to find that those who are going to receive it and we are the ones who are helping to bring that around which means we got to get on a plane yeah (laughs) you got to get um um oh god i forgot what it's called you know when you you, global entry (laughs) it's the best my my favorite thing about traveling is global entry 
Um, no, that's not true. It can't be my favorite, but what um, is your favorite about traveling? Mm -hmm. I being surprised, I think, mm -hmm. because I'm never surprised anymore. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, but there's some little interesting things, you know, now, now the surprise is I, I almost always lose my wallet when I go traveling. <laughs> when is it going to happen? Yeah. I always lose. I always lose something. It's like, it's just adventure tax, but I, I think <laughs> I like, I don't know. I, I really do. I, this might sound cliche, but I really like the people, you mm -hmm. know? You go from like seeing meeting all these Indians, and then you are suddenly surrounded by the Irish, and then you're surrounded by Indonesians. I, I just, I, it's just, it's incredible. I I was in Indonesia last summer, and I was sitting there, um, at this cafe, uh, just I was talking to this girl who was had her laptop open she was from sweden and she had buzzsprout open which is what the 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 program i use that publishes slashing towards enlightenment and she had so i said oh you have a podcast you know what is it uh what's it about and she said well it's about ayurveda so we we got into this great conversation and then she left right as she left the the band it was this weird indonesian band started doing a cover of a song my girlfriend from 23 years ago wrote what that's that's the kind of stuff i love when you're traveling and i was like what this is an <laughs> indonesian i'm in indonesia and mm -hmm. you know and, and i i videoed and, and and sent it i hadn't talked to her in 15 years but i sent it to her and she was like holy shit and i like it. i love stuff like that Mm -hmm. And I love running into people. I was in Italy once. The first time I ever went to Italy, I was there for two minutes and I heard someone yell, Teo Burkhart out from, and I was in a sea of people. And I turned and there was a, someone, I, a dear friend of mine. I, I just like the, the randomness that happens. Yeah. I love that. Potential for just interesting coincidences. and Yeah. And also yeah. I just, I love feeling... There, there really is a vibe to different places. There really is a, a flavor. Yeah. It's my, I don't want to say vibe. It's a, everything has its own flavor. And I love, yeah. uh, it's like a buffet. I just love tasting everything. It's interesting. I think about when I was younger, um, my first big travel experience was when I was 16 and I went to Brazil and I went on my own because I had a Brazilian boyfriend. Whoa. And I was going to visit him. And um, I was there for weeks. And it was such an expansive experience for me because I grew up in New England, just very, everybody's mm -hmm. the same, you know, hardly, hardly anyone, you know, everybody looked the same, had the same opinions, wore the same, right. uh, you know, turtleneck sweatshirt. Ralph combo. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> same Nantucket reds, you know, the whole thing. Uh -huh. <laughs> and, um, and it just blew my world open. And, uh, mm -hmm. I came back and I couldn't integrate it. Honestly, I came back and it was like, I can't be here anymore because this, this little fishbowl is way too small. Mm -hmm. I got to feel myself. It's almost like the, 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 um, I got to separate from my environment and got to see, okay, who is me without all the things that I have been familiar with right. my whole life around yes. me. Love that. 
Exactly. Yeah, yeah, you get to see cuz you have to drop it's it's when you're in your fishbowl of a little town what you wear, what you eat, all that stuff is a language that bonds you to that community to say I'm to feel safe, I'm one of you. Mm-hmm. This is what we have in common. But you you that stuff doesn't work when you get dropped in the middle of Rio. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, no one gives a shit about your Ralph Lauren polo. No. <laughs> you have to you have to be yourself. You have to be inquisitive. I, I, I love that. It's so true. And that's but kind that, of always with the big journeys. You know, you come mm-hmm. back home. Yeah. And yep. everything's the same except you. Right. Yeah. Well, yeah, exactly. That's, and that's, that's what a story is. Mm-hmm. Plot is what happens. But a story is how someone changes. There's two. Right. These the are, transformation. Yeah. When you're writing a movie, you have plot and you have story, and you don't want to mix those two up. Plot's what happens. Two is the arc. Two yeah. is, is and they're intertwined. They're definitely intertwined, but um, the, the story is the interchange of, of the person. And when you come home and you can't integrate, you just had a story. Something yeah. happened to you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I love thinking of that too. If, if travel from the from the um, viewpoint of travel is expressive of story, you know, yeah. because there is a a departure and a change and then a return, um, and so it's like a little microcosm of 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 what consciousness is interested in doing. It's interested in departing mm-hmm. its oneness, moving into the many, and then returning to oneness. Yeah, but you return with something, which with is. The- which is what they call right. the elixir. Mm-hmm. And that elixir is always knowledge. And the third act is always about integrating the knowledge that you've learned. And, w- and, and if you integrated it, you'll get home. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If you don't, it's a tragedy. If you do, it's a comedy. <laughs> true. <laughs> it's, it, it's, it's absolutely true. Yeah, like the, Luke Skywalker, he learns the Force. He learns to integrate it, mm-hmm. you know, um, and then he can go. He can go home. He can go be with his friends and everything. That's so Something funny. Else. We're actually we watched Empire Strikes Back last night because we're showing our kids Star Wars. It's the best, the it's the best one. It's the best and, one. Yeah, Irving Kirshner, director, <laughs> just incredible. I saw that on opening day, uh, in I think it came out in seventy nine. I don't remember. 81 was 80, it or 80? I don't 80, know. Something like that. But I saw it on opening day and I remember it was coming out on a Friday and all of my friends who lived on the block were all begging our moms to let us go see it. But the, they're all like, it's a school day, you know? And we're like, you don't understand. You do not understand. This is start like this is start. We've been waiting years. We have to see it on opening day. And my mom's like, Listen, buddy, you have school and you're not doing that great in school. You know, you'll, we'll, we'll get to it eventually. And I was like, ah. Oh. And then on <laughs> Friday, I was like, you know, putting my stuff on and, and I was just like, like, God, you know, I just, yeah, people are out there seeing it. And I've got my backpack and she walks in. My mom's like, what are you doing? And I said, I'm getting my backpack on. She goes, why? I said, I'm going to school. She goes, no, you're not. <laughs> oh my God. Said, well, Antonio, who's Marcos and Miguel's dad, is already in line down in Westwood at the big screen for 
for Empire Strikes Back and you and Johnny, Wesley, Marcus, Miguel, and Todd are all going. And we stood in line from 9 a.m. to 11 p.m. We got into the 11 p.m. show. <gasps> and it was one of the best days of my life. Standing in line with my best friend. I was going to say, that's like life-changing. <laughs> waiting for Empire Strikes Back. And the best part was, is the show before us, which was the nine. They cut us off right before we got in. We we're like, oh, you know. And Antonio, the dad who's our chaperone, he's like, no, 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 no. You're going to be the first in. We're like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I still, I still remember that day. It's such a good, such a great movie. Yeah. yeah so great. Well, thank you so much, Teo. Um, I want to ask you one last question, which is, uh, of all the places you've been, do you have a favorite? Hmm. Um, it, it's it's either. God, I have so many favorites, <laughs> but I would say it's a toss-up between Varanasi. Tel Aviv or the West coast of Ireland. Mm. They're both very, they're all different, but um, they all, they all get me. I, I love them all. I can't pick one. <laughs> love it. <laughs> yeah. well, thank you so much for this. This was, it was a yeah, so Jager fun. It's Jager just fun. like 10 more. Yes. Part <laughs> Parts we're gonna we'll, we'll come up with another you know fake topic to get you back. yeah come up with it yeah come up with another <laughs> fake, fake topic. we'll do part two and i'll and i'll look at your charts yeah Yay! oh my god that'd be hysterical Yay! let's do a jotish part two yeah let's That's do it hysterical yeah so, okay well great so to much. see your shining Thank you faces so much. And thanks for having me on and Absolutely. everybody, if you're around tail learn with him or get yeah. your jotish chart or just become his friend or listen to his podcast. Absolutely. Slouching Towards Enlightenment. Season two is coming this year. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Okay. Good night. Bye, Kristen. Bye, Izzy. Bye. Bye.